0: <laughs> mm-hmm. it. Yes. I don't remember watch that. <laughs> yeah,
1: very interesting so we'll open up with a word of prayer dear lord we thank you for blessing us to study your word to praise your holy name we thank you for a beautiful sabbath beautiful service and everything we ask that your holy spirit will open our eyes and our ears to what you have to tell us this day and help us to hear hear it and to follow in jesus name amen Okay, anybody know what stupor means? Know the satanic and death part what stupor means.
0: Uh
2: sleepiness, drowsiness, type of uh like um, uh, not a catatonic state almost, yeah, but like
0: like a zombie-like state almost. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Hmm. Okay. Uh, Satanic death stupor says God's people must take warning and discern the signs of the times. The signs of Christ's coming are too plain to be doubted. Too plain to be doubted. And in view of these things, everyone who professes the truth should be a what? What does it say we should all be? It's nothing new.
3: Ready? Watchful?
1: Vigilant, yeah, all those things, but it says we should be a living preacher. So as we know, our uh, best witness we can give is a Christian life. So God's calling us all to be living preachers, especially in in view of Christ's second coming being here right up on us. And it says the signs are too plain to be doubted, although a lot of people still wonder. You know, in fact, our Sabbath school lesson. Uh, ask questions about Christ's second coming. How do we know? How can we be sure? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But it says the signs are too plain to be doubted. If you've studied about the second coming, then you see signs in everything going on today in life. Can anyone name some signs that they feel are pointing towards, sight, uh, towards Christ's soon return? Anything in society or in the world? Rumors of wars. Wars strife,
2: dr- <laughs> men should be lovers of themselves, boastful, proud, uh, blasphemous.
3: Let's see. Um,
1: yeah. It seemed like everything you see is a, a sign of Christ's second coming. And of course, we can read in Matthew the book of Matthew, where he tells us about a lot of specific signs, but when you pay attention in politics and, and uh, society about the wars and the fights going on, you know, it's just hatred seems to be everywhere. Those are all signs of Jesus' second coming. So it says, um, unbelief like a pall of death is surrounding our churches. Now that's interesting. Why would the pall of death, unbelief, be surrounding the churches instead of like surrounding the world why would the pall of death of unbelief be around the churches shouldn't that say his surrounding the world
2: yeah it's gonna be around the churches because you know uh what it says that you know we have lost our first love Hmm. you know and um lack of study and lack of pray you know, even lack of church attending can cause us to lose what we have mm. in terms of understanding God in our relationship.
1: Okay, anybody else? Why would that say unbelief like the pall of death is surrounding the churches?
0: I think also because we are either in or nearing the shaking time. And, the, you know, the devil doesn't have any problem with the world. His problem is with the church. And so he's attacking the church because the world is already in his hand. So mm-hmm. he's coming after the church. and um, We are already the church of Laodicea. We, we, we are poor, naked, blind, miserable, and wretched. And we think we have it all.
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah, good points. You know, of course, we expect the world did not believe, right? If the world mm-hmm. believed, they too would accept Christ. But many people in the world don't believe he's coming, which is why they don't acknowledge him and why they don't follow him or accept him but people in the church when you are a member of the church you are saying that you believe in christ and in second coming that you believe in the word of god but somehow unbelief is surrounding the churches and why why does it say that it's happening
2: it's because we are not t- uh, telling people about christ we're not using the talents that God gave us. And that one is to tell people about Christ.
1: Yeah, because the people of God are not imparting the light to those who don't know the Lord. So we have some part to play in that unbelief being around. We need to be doing what God asks us to do and what he calls for us to do. Those who are pardoned by his grace is to rejoice in the light and to make the truth known to others. You know, is there anything stopping us now from making the truth known to others? Are there any barriers in the law or uh, the police stopping people from making the truth known? What's preventing us?
2: Lack of interest, I think. Sometimes we're so caught up with our own stuff that we just don't do it. And I think what she's saying: lack of belief. If we really believe, if we really believe that our families are gonna burn while they are alive in hellfire. That should be enough to alarm us to be trying to
1: get people to know Christ. Hmm. Okay. Any other reasons people might not be making known the truth to others? Is there some things that hinder us from doing that? Andrea Karen, do you have? Uh, comment on that what was the question again Lee uh are are there some things that hinder us from making known the light of Christ to others I
0: think sometimes we are fearful ourselves of what the reaction will be you know we'd be treated like we are um uh what's the word I want to use uh, fanatics or something um
4: or people will start watching you, like, even if I just talk about what I had in the cafeteria. And if I just simply say, I have this or that. Why, why you I didn't get any pork? Why, why am we getting any pork chop? That pork chop is really good. Then I start talking about the reason why I, I wouldn't get any of that. And I've never gotten. Then that you go off into a whole other thing. And so, you know, sometimes I think we're kind of fearful where the conversation might go and and then sometimes, you know, is our life in line with Christ all the time when we're away from church or away from family? And, and so when people start bringing up stuff about what well, you you say you believe in this, why did, y'all, why did you do that? So <laughs> <laughs> you just never know um, how people, like Karen was saying, how people will start to kind of view you or what kind of conversations uh, will, will come up. And, and
1: that could kind of hinder you, too. Okay. There's probably a lot of hindrances and barriers, but should we let that stop us?
4: No, No. never. Never. No,
1: that's the bottom line is there are going to be hindrances. Of course, that's the devil's job is to put up roadblocks, but we're called to spread the word no matter what. So we, even though we encounter roadblocks and hindrances, we don't want to let them stop us. Humanly speaking, you know, we do get kind of scared and cautious of what's going to happen, but we have to depend upon the Lord and his power and ask him for the words to speak at those times. And then just go ahead and step out on faith and and do what you feel the Holy Spirit's leading you to do. Many times, once you step out there on faith, things turn out a lot better than you expected, you know, and then you end up having a really good conversation and, and people get to know you a little more and you get to share some Word, some light from the word of God with somebody, and it really pays dividends. And the Lord has told us that his word will not go out from him void, that it will accomplish what he sent it to do. So if we remember to rely upon God's power and not our own, then that would be a real assistance in helping us to spread that message. So, next paragraph says Satan is now seeking to hold God's people in a state of inactivity. State of inactivity. I think Karen, did you mention something about Laodicea or was that the key? Yeah. What yeah. what how does that relate to this sentence?
0: Because we think, well, let La- the Laodicean church basically is a church of professed Christianity. We think we are, we have it all, and and even Laodicea is even a church of works. We think that. If we do things, that we are heaven-bound. Instead of if we give our hearts to Christ, we are heaven-bound.
2: I know it says, Satan is now seeking seeking to hold God's people in a state of inactivity, which means we're already in inactivity. He's (laughs) just trying to keep us there.
1: (laughs) Okay. yeah,
3: Go ahead. Hey, I'm going to find what Karen says. People, they think they're heaven-bound if you do good work. Uh, I was. Uh, I left someone on Facebook saying good people are heaven-bound and bad people are hell-bound. Mm-hmm. Did, okay. Did you understand that? Yeah, we heard you. Okay. <laughs> you know, the good people think they're just good. You know, like the Pharisees, just good people are so-called Righteous. Oh, uh-huh. uh-huh. so I just put something on there to make people think.
2: Uh-huh. Okay. You put that out. Uh, you put that
1: out on the Facebook. Uh-huh. I said just. And, and there's also a quote says something about uh, some people are too heavenly bound to be any earthly good. Uh-huh.
3: <laughs> so
1: we got to remember we still have a duty here in this world. And it even says, the, des- the next paragraph, the destiny of a world hangs in the balance. The whole world is hanging in the balance, but this hardly moves even those who claim to believe the far-reaching truth ever given to mortals. So even though there are people who claim to believe God's word and who claim to believe that his soon coming, the fact that the world is, is hanging in the balance and lives are at stake doesn't even move those people. Have you ever... Uh, saw maybe on the news where somebody, just say somebody robbed a, a grocery store, and then a lot of people say, "Oh well, it's too bad, don't involve me." You know they need to do better. But then when they get robbed, now all of a sudden they want everybody to be involved, right? And sometimes that's how it is. Uh, for some Christians, the world is 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 hanging in the balance. There's a lot going on, but unless it personally hits somebody, then they don't really seem to care. And that's not what God expects from us. You know, he came to this world to draw humanity to divinity, and our part to play is to spread that message to others. And it, and it talks about that uh, Satan's, Satan's satanic death stupor. There's a stupor or a paralysis upon the people of God, which prevents them from understanding the duty of the hour. So when we see people who are, uh, Pastor Richard Williams used to say, in the zombaic state, just walking around like zombies, Karen, you had mentioned zombies too. Yeah, you know, that's how the devil wants people to be as Christian. Says he uses the listless, sleepy indolence of professed Christians to strengthen his forces and win souls to his side. So if we have Christians who are zombaic, who are under Satan's death stupor, who are listless, sleepy, and indolent, how does that strengthen Satan's forces? We can see how it's not strengthening Christ's forces, but how does being an indolent, uh, sleepy, listless Christian strengthen the devil's forces?
2: Well, because we're not winning souls for Christ. So every soul we don't win is going to go to him.
1: Okay, and,
0: and everybody has an influence, whether it be for good or for evil. Mm-hmm.
3: Everybody has some sort of influence. You no, know, what I was and gonna if, say, some people gonna look at you like that's a Christian, that's how a Christian should be. You know, it's like, well, they're not doing anything.
4: What's so good about being a Christian? What does that even mean? That's what it looks like. I don't want to be that. And mm-hmm. if, And if you were to lead somebody somewhere, if they were busy doing something else. How easy would it be for you to get them away from what they're doing and do something else other than what they're doing? But if they're not busy and they're just kind of lethargic and just kind of, huh, what you doing today? Nothing. Well, let's go do this. I think the devil has a little bit more control over what he can get you to do if you're just in a stupor.
0: And, you know, there's that saying, an idle mind is the devil's workshop.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we have to continually occupy our minds with doing good. Or yep. like you're saying, Andre, that evil just creeps right in, you right. know, because we have to remember we're born in sin shaped in iniquity. So it's very easy for those sinful tendencies to rise up and very easy for some evil thoughts to, to come and lead us astray. But if we're busy doing God's work, then we don't have time for that.
4: Right. You know, it's
1: also mentioned, too in terms of where sometimes you got people who are in churches and they tend to complain and gossip and backbite. If we were busy doing God's will, we wouldn't have time for that foolishness. So again, because uh, God's workers are not being busy, reaching out to people, that opens the opportunity for Satan to reach out to them. And also by us not being active, doing good, it opens us up to be uh, led to do evil also. It says, by their failure to be diligent workers for the master, by leaving duties undone and words unspoken, they have allowed Satan to gain control of souls who might have been one for Christ. So we we have a twofold reason to be out uh, preaching and teaching and telling people about the Lord. One, to gain them for Christ. The other, to keep them from following the devil. So we have to recognize again how urgent the time is that we don't have time to fool around and play games. And uh, I think they mentioned it in Sabbath school today. Uh, how do we know Christ's second coming is near? And then we gave out all the information about that. But we know that he's even sooner than it was said before. Mm-hmm. So we don't have time to waste. It says, um, last paragraph here, when I study the scriptures, I'm alarmed for the Israel of God in these last days. They are exhorted to flee from idol- idolatry. What idolatry? Are people worshiping idols nowadays?
0: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. They're putting
0: things before God. It's not, it's not idols of wood and stone
4: per se. It's, it's idols of iPhones and Android phones. <laughs>
2: It's also idols of depression, anxiety, (laughs) um, um, fear, you know, because I I look at we serve God and the Lord says, if you love me, keep my commandments, you know. So loving people or loving God means we are involved in some type of activity, you know, in terms of keeping the commandments. So um, the same thing, like with fear you know we hold on to our fear and so as a result we do certain behaviors you know like like with God we love God so we keep the commandments of God so with fear you know we are afraid and that's our God so it doesn't matter if the if God or the Holy Spirit says to us do such and such but fear stands between us and the thing God tells us to do and we obey fear then fear has become the God so even our emotions can become a God in our lives. We have to really be very prayerful and asking God for victory over these um, fearful feelings, anxious feelings, angry feelings, guilt and shame, self-condemnation. You know, um, I commented to someone one time, you know, that after you ask God for forgiveness, then you should forgive yourself. Because oftentimes that's the last part. People, you know, accept that God has forgiven me, but then they don't let it go. So now they remain in self-condemnation, you know, until they finally say, I forgive myself. I let this go. I'm not going to allow this to run my life anymore.
1: Hmm. So are you saying idolatry or idol worship don't have to be like a statue? No, no, it don't have to be a particular thing.
2: It can be a person you know, a person standing between you and God or standing in the place of God. So, you know, the Holy Spirit says observe the Sabbath day uh, and then, you know, your spouse or or somebody you care about is telling you to come play hockey on the Sabbath. You know, the Bible says take care of the temple. Somebody is giving you drugs, alcohol, or some other food that's harmful to you. So even food can become our God. Instead of turning to God for comforting, we turn to, you know, like a cake, pie, ice cream, fried rice, you know, they are talking about comfort <laughs> foods, you know, but we that's not what God wants. Anything that takes away the role
3: of God in our life, it becomes God.
1: Hmm.
3: Something that you, I mean, like a TV, phone, someone sends. Uh-huh. Some, uh-huh. the weave on your head that you spend too much money on.
1: <laughs> so just about anything can become an idol, right? Uh-huh
2: what'd <laughs> you say Karen it, it cracked up. it um, what'd
0: you um, say? Shoes. <laughs> the shoes purses and shoes uh, mm-hmm. yeah Could but even anything. that you know if you look
2: at that then that goes back to self you know vanity you know which may actually be again yes, poor yeah poor poor. it may be uh, poor self-esteem but someone once told me that Narcissism, you know, we think narcissism is, oh, I'm so much better than you. I'm better, blah, blah, blah. But narcissism also come in the form of, oh, you know, my life is the worst life. I'm the worst person. Oh, my gosh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then this professor said, but in their heart, they think, but I'm better than you. Hmm. So, you know, or sometimes they think their problems are outside of the reach of God. So now the
0: problem have become the God.
1: Hmm. And mercy.
0: Problem has become bigger than the
1: God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. oh. <laughs> and now nowadays there are so many distractions.
3: Yeah.
1: That it's yeah. kind of easy to get hooked up if you're not careful. Again, if we are busy doing God's will, then we won't have to uh, get caught up with mm-hmm. all these things. Mm-hmm. But again, it, uh, it's like Christians are in that sleep and just not doing what we're called to do. Do you think it's become more difficult? to tell a Christian from a non-Christian. Have you seen any, uh, uh, have you ever been in a situation where you kept trying to guess, I wonder if this guy's a Christian or uh, I can't tell. Have you ever been in that situation? Sometimes when I look in the mirror, yeah,
3: sometimes. Uh
1: -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Okay, well, that's interesting. Has it become difficult to tell a Christian from a non-Christian out in the streets?
2: Are you talking about a genuine Christian?
1: Yeah, is it difficult to tell the difference? Is there a difference?
0: Yeah, like, well, like, there was a time, like, especially in Huntsville, when I could tell an Adventist woman. (laughs) I mean, there was just a definite difference. And now I can't tell. A lot of the time, because they wear the jewelry and, and, you know, dress a certain way. They dress like the world now. And I can't tell.
1: Peter, what else were you going to say?
2: Um, um, nothing much. I don't know.
1: It's interesting to me that Sister White's talking about back in time she was alive. And it says that people are so asleep and conform to the world it'd be difficult to discern between him that serves God and him that serves him not and that the distance is widening between Christ and his people lessening between them and the world the marks of distinction between Christ's professed people and the world have almost disappeared and that's back in her time she's writing this and then says like ancient Israel they follow after the abominations of the nations around them do you remember when Peter was at at Christ's trial and the people saw him and said, hey, you was one of them, you with them. How did they know he was a Christian?
2: You know, I think they even said they could tell by his speech. You know, they could tell that, you know, like, so he tried to cuss and sound like them, but he didn't, he couldn't do it.
1: Yeah, anybody else? How did they know Peter was a Christian?
2: And they saw him doing, you know, hanging out with Jesus. They saw him hanging with Jesus.
1: Yeah. Now here's a question. How how can how do people know you're a Christian? Mm -hmm. You
2: just a (laughs) winter (laughs) man.
1: Yeah, they look at us too, the same way they looked at Peter. They look at how we dress, they look at the words that come out of our mouths. They listen to what we have to say when we're talking and doing things. They They look at how we work. Are we the type of worker that shirks and avoids doing their job? Or are we the type of worker that gets the job done and does it well? You know, they look at how we treat other people. They look at how we treat uh, our husbands or our wives. They look at how we treat strangers. They look at the things that we do, the things that we don't do, things that we eat or don't eat. Your whole life is an open book to people. And that's how they can tell if we're Christian or not by our lifestyle, by the things that we do and say, you know, it's real easy for people to just go to church, you know, and, and put on nice clothes and go to church and sing a hymn. But that's not what makes a person a Christian. What, what is it that makes a person a Christian?
2: Our relationship with God and having accepted um, God's sacrifice for us.
1: Right. Accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior makes you a Christian, a follower of Christ. And then as you become a follower of Christ, those actions will start to come as you um, follow him. So as you listen, read his word, listen to his Holy Spirit, that your actions and the things that you do and say and, th- and your lifestyle will follow also. But there are a lot of people who attend a church service, but their lifestyle is totally opposite. Of what they're being told, you know, in church.
2: But you know, I know this may sound a little weird, but sometimes if people haven't been convicted by God, then they're not really held responsible for that stuff, right? The Bible says, "In times of ignorance, God winks."
1: Able to order his son.
2: That sometimes we, well, we can't really ever look at people, you know, at their lifestyle or whatever's going on, and and, reg, and no, sometimes we can't, and sometimes you can't.
1: Any thoughts on that?
2: You know, I used to have a real problem with anger, and of still doing it a little bit. But I didn't realize that that was a result of low blood sugar. Until, you know, I was mad. I, I hate to say it, but I was mad at some kind of bug that splattered on our windshield. And I was just really angry. And I said something about it, which was even in my mind, I was thinking, that's kind of crazy. And then Holly said, quick, Dad, get her some food. So they knew it before I knew it that, you know, when I was hungry, then I could, My it was difficult to hold, hold my emotions in check. So I just started to become more aware of that. And then if I would start feeling angry, then I would think about when was the last time I ate and then remind myself I won't have to feel angry because I haven't eaten because I know I'm going to get some food soon. So I had to start doing a little bit of work on myself. But, you know, I wasn't aware of that, you know, but Holly was and me, I guess, was too. So you were seeing me, you know, ranting and raving about a bug and thought, Somewhere, she ain't a real Christian.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, any comments on that? Mm-mm. Look at this next paragraph. It's very interesting. And we've seen this happen. Not only in the world do we see the result of the church's neglect to work in Christ's lines. By this neglect, a condition of things has been brought where? Into the church. That has eclipsed the high and holy interest of the work of God. A spirit of criticism. Anybody ever seen spirit of criticism in the church? Us, criticism and bitterness. Anybody seen any bitterness in the church? Mm-hmm. And the spiritual discernment of many has been dimmed. Have you ever seen somebody, a Christian or a church member, who just lacks spiritual discernment?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. You know, you can see these things now. Uh, We don't, like Lakita's saying, we don't exactly know what their rationale is or why they're that way. We don't want to get into that. But we can see stuff. And we can see that there is criticism and bitterness and lack of spiritual discernment. And it says, because of this, the cause of Christ has suffered great loss. Now, like what Alvina said earlier about looking in the mirror, whenever we feel that way about the church, let's make sure we look in the mirror first before we go pointing fingers at others and make sure that we're not the one who's critical and bitter, you know, and lacking spiritual discernment. And if we feel that we are uh, doing those things or lacking discernment, what should we do at that point?
2: Shut up and pray.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we need to pray and ask God to fill fill that void in our lives and to take those evil attributes away from us and to fill us with the fruit of the spirit you know and God has promised that if you ask for those things in his name he's going to give it to you you had a comment
2: yeah I was thinking that you know if you get busy in the church you you don't have you don't really criticize
1: it that much Yeah. hmm Again, you're too busy doing God's will. You don't have time to be paying attention to this. So. And
2: not only that, but you see like miracles. Like today, so Sister McCray has said she was going to do the testimony. Well, I didn't really even think about um, a backup program for a backup um, message for stewardship. Because she said she was doing her thing. So I'm sitting in church and she's not there. And I'm wondering, man, you know, where is she at? I hope she's. So I'm up there and I'm thinking, okay, I really don't know what I'm going to talk about. And she walks. Well, if I wasn't working in church, I wouldn't have got that say from God, that testimony of how he, you know, everything works together right on time and stuff. That's like reassuring me just one step more that God is always working, you know, when we're busy working for
3: him. Hmm. Anyone
1: else comments on that? Now, this is very interesting. This last paragraph it says the Lord has not closed heaven to us, but our own course of continual backsliding has separated us from God. Have mercy. Continual. You said backsliding. Right. It says our own course of continual backsliding has separated us from God. Wow.
4: We only have ourselves to blame.
1: Pride, covetousness, and love of the world. Pride, covetousness, and love of the world have lived in the heart without fear of banishment or condemnation. Isn't that an interesting way to put that? That these things have lived in a person's heart without fear of banishment or condemnation. That's and, something. and is that
4: because the consequences of sin sometimes are not immediate after we do it? So we feel like we just just keep moving.
1: Could I, think, be.
0: I think a lot of times because the world or, 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 or our family members or our close family don't know about it or the people don't know about it. And like you said, God is the only one that knows. Then, you know, we don't have any condemnation, or we might confide in people that we feel like have the same faults as us, or maybe even worse, so they can't say nothing about it.
1: You know? Okay, <laughs> like, interesting. Not saying nothing. <laughs> now I was thinking about it like this too. If, if you're uh, if you're renting an apartment. You're renting the apartment, and you tear tearing up the apartment, and the landlord comes by, and he sees it, and then he just goes on about his business, and you tear up the apartment some more, and he comes by and doesn't do anything. What are you thinking about the landlord? You're thinking, I'm going to tear up this apartment. What are you thinking the landlord is going to do? Nothing. 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 Right. Yeah, he ain't going to do nothing, and you've already seen that. So this is saying pride, covetousness, and love are living in people's hearts because they know the person ain't going to do nothing about it. They're not going to try and get rid of that. They're just living with it. You know, it says, grievous and presumptuous sins have dwelt among us. And then it says, and yet, and yet. So again, all these things are going on in the church. And then she writes, and yet the general opinion is that the church is flourishing. And that peace and spiritual prosperity are all in her borders. Why would that be true? Here's all these grievous sins going on, and the church still feels like it, the church family still thinks they're flourishing and have peace and prosperity. How can that happen? No one's in their sins.
2: And plus, you know, to really talk to people about their sin or sinful behavior or whatever, it's kind of shined in the church for real, to be honest with you. You know, one time we were, I was in a board meeting, which changed the way I do business or would do business in a board meeting. And they were talking about a person who had had a baby, not married. And this is the second baby that they had. The first baby had passed on and this baby is the second baby that they were uh, pregnant, not not having had it yet. And they wanted the church, the church wanted to give her a baby shower. Now yet the pastor in there, all the elders were in there, the deaconess was in there, the, all the leaders were in, in there. And they were all like, yeah, we're gonna give her a baby shower." And I was like, wait a minute, you know what about the young girls who are trying to maintain virginity you know, in the church and trying to do things right? I said, what kind of precedence are we setting for them? Then the pastor said, well, yeah, let's table that because, you know, um, not because it's wrong or anything, but because the church members, in other words, like the is judgmental or something. That's how I took it, you know, it may not have been, but the church members may not feel like it was wrong. It was not the right thing to do. Now, you know, I even said you can do that in your home, but I don't know that this is the right thing for the church to be sponsoring, you know, on, on you know. And stuff, and I do believe the church should give every woman, you know, a basket of some sort when they have a baby. You know, give them some Pampers and milk and all this stuff, whatever. But um, regardless of who it is, but I just think we have to be careful with what we're sponsoring. So if you do try to stand up and say something, nine out of ten
3: times it's going to backfire on you.
1: Mm. Alvina, you had a comment.
3: Oh no, not now. Ask me in two seconds.
5: <laughs> I think I got a comment. Mm-hmm. You know, you you said you know that the church, you know, and you do have the you know members that don't want to be told that what they're doing is a sin. But I think they've gotten what I, I want to say comfortable. That if I've always done it this way, didn't nobody say nothing? Even if you kind of you know talk to them, you go uh, call them on the phone. They. To, to them, it's like if nobody else thinks it's wrong, then you can shut up talking to me. And you do have those that say you need to look at yourself. And it's not that you're not looking at yourself, but you want that person to be in the kingdom of heaven with you and, and going home to heaven. But you do have those that feel like, well, if I've done it for so long and you seem to be the only one bringing it to me so that I don't have the problem, you do. Mm.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, and then sometimes, like one time, there was something going on, you know, in the church. It had been going on for some years. And we had a pastor, you know, this was at Northside. And I took it to the pastor, and the pastor said, was that going on before I got here? And I said, yeah. He said, "What's well, going to go on while I'm here. Oh. So, you know, it's, it's, hey, whatever. So it
1: goes back to that sentence, pride and covetousness and love of the world live in the heart without fear of banishment or condemnation (coughs) because people have gotten used to doing it and nobody's saying anything so Mm -hmm. there's no reason to think they're going to say anything now i can just keep on sinning ain't nobody gonna say nothing to me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yet the general opinion is that the church is doing fine and everybody's doing good and the lord is with us but, you know, we have to open up our eyes. Like we read, there's a lot of lack of spiritual discernment and people are doing things. And with that, with the lack of discernment, other folks are like, oh, that's okay. Yeah, you can do that. When God's word is saying, no, you shouldn't be doing that. Okay. You can't be doing that, not claim that you're one of my followers. The church, and I thought this too was interesting. The church has turned back from following Christ, her leader and is steadily retreating toward where?
2: Say that again.
1: What is it saying? The church has turned back from following Christ, her leader, and is steadily retreating toward where? Towards Egypt. Towards Egypt. Yeah, remember when the Israelites were going through the wilderness, and then they started grumbling and complaining and saying, we should have just stayed in Egypt, you know? Listen, we can just go back and be slaves again, it's better than this. And here's that she's pointing out that the church is doing that. Instead of following Christ toward heaven, many people are retreating back to the worldliness that they came from and doing those same things that they were doing before they met Christ. And that's just, again, retreating towards Egypt. We're supposed to be going toward the promised land of heaven, not backward to the Egypt of our life before Christ. And again, we have to... Go ahead.
5: You finish, Elder Carol.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm finished. Go ahead, Patsy.
5: Okay. I, I know I came in late, and I'm like, what topic are we under?
1: Okay, we're on spiritual discernment, Dim, But we're actually moving now into... The next one is State of Spiritual Weakness.
5: Okay, thank you.
1: Yeah. Okay, so let's be very careful in our own Christian walk that we're not retreating back towards old habits we used to have before we accepted Christ, but let's continue to move forward in the light of God's uh, presence towards the Promised Land. Uh, the next Next per, uh, next chapter is a state of spiritual weakness. Accumulated light has shone upon God's people, but many have what? Neglected to follow the light. Neglected. Neglected to follow the light. It's not like they don't have the light. It's not like the light's not there. These people are neglecting to follow the light. So it's kind of stupid if it's dark and you get the flashlight, and the flashlight's showing you the pathway to go on, why would you go the opposite direction? Why would you go a different way than where the light is showing you to go? But many people are doing that now, neglecting to follow the light. You know, and it's very true. If you have uh, been at church and you heard a really great message today and the Holy Spirit is talking to you, it don't do any good if you don't translate that message into your actions into making a change to be more like Christ. You know, we can hear a lot of good messages, but unless we follow the light in those messages, then it's not doing us any good. And that's why a lot of people are in a state of great spiritual weakness. It's not because of lack of knowledge God's people are perishing. God's continually opening doors and giving us light and opening scriptures to our knowledge. So it's not for a lack of knowledge God's people are perishing but what does it say uh they will be condemned for they do
5: they do not know the way the truth and the life the truth has reached their understanding and the light has not shone on the soul but which has been neglected or refused when condemned when will condemn them
1: right because they refused it
5: and i it think mhm and I think sometimes, too, Elder Carol, we, you know, when you, when you were a teenager, most of us, we, you want to fit in. So you have people that have the light, and they don't want to let it shine because, they're, you know, they're like, well, I want that church member to still like me. And I think it's coming to a time that, you know, uh, you know even the pastors are having a hard time. They're preaching what thus said the Lord, and people are like, I don't want to hear that. So I think, you know, you have to make up in your mind and purpose in your heart. Am I going to trust God and go all the way? And if the if the Holy Spirit tells me to be bold and open my mouth and a gentle as a dove and loving and tell that person, you're going to have to do what God and the Holy Spirit asks you to do, even though you might not be liked by that person anymore.
1: Mm.
5: You understand what I'm saying? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And sometimes, too. I know you know we you said about being gentle and stuff. Sometimes when it's hurtful, it's just no matter how you say it, it's going to seem when it's a when it's a thing that a person is sensitive about. No matter how you say it, it's going to hurt. You know, I mean, you're not intending to hurt, but you know, it, it will feel people will just be hurt.
1: Yeah. So it's not that God hasn't been giving us knowledge. It's not that there is a lack of knowledge. Is that when the light shone upon people, they neglected it, refused it. Those, that's what's going to condemn it. It says those who never had the light to reject will not be in condemnation. So if the Lord has not opened your eyes to something, then you don't have a problem. But if he has opened your eyes and you decide, no, I'm not going to do that. Eh, that's not the truth. No, I'm condemning that, or I'm refusing to do that, I'm neglecting to do it. That's what's going to be a problem, you know. And, and God is a just and honest God, and He's going to make the right decision. And we have to be careful that, you know, we're listening to God's word and also that we follow through on that word. It says, Light, precious light shines upon God's people. Again, God is constantly shedding light upon us, but just having that light shed upon people doesn't save them unless they consent to be saved by it, fully live up to it and transmit it to others who are living in darkness. So we can't just hear the word. We have to hear the word, accept the word and share that word with others. And that is how we are called to do our Christian service, to stay out of a state of spiritual weakness because we hear God's word. He shows us the light and we follow that light And we accept that light. That's what we're called to do. Any final thoughts? You know, it's very interesting that this book is called Christian Service because it lets us know that there will be obstacles to doing Christian service. There will be people complaining. There will be folks who don't like it. But our duty as Christians is to serve God and not man. And by serving God, we let others know of his sacrifice for our sins and also of his soon return. And if we do that, if we share that light, we accept it ourselves and live it, God is going to be pleased with us. And he'll say to us in that day, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Amen? Amen.
0: Leah, I have a thought. Uh, um, I remember mm-hmm. a, a series of sermons that David Asher preached at Oakwood. Mm -hmm. and talking basically on the same line of thinking about the light and the light shining across our path and that is that when we see the light as soon as we see it we need to follow it because his sermon was basically about the fact that when we see or hear his voice speaking one day we may not be able to hear it the next day Mm -hmm. because he is a constantly moving god and so if we don't follow it when we hear it, we may not hear it as well the next day. And then the day after that and the day after that. And so the light may shine across our path, but because he's constantly moving, if we're not moving with him, it may be gone the next day, or it may be fainter the next day. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, we
0: need to we need to follow it when yeah, we hear it, when we see it.
1: That's also why the scripture says, if you hear his voice today, don't harden your he hard. heart. Right. So tomorrow ain't promised to any of us right mm-hmm. so let's not just hear god's word but let's allow it to sink into our minds and heart to accept right. it and then to live it in our everyday life as christian soldiers on the battlefield right. um all right now karen you're teaching next are we going to have class on this coming uh next Sabbath?
0: next seven
1: yeah that'll be um, thanksgiving weekend
0: uh, I don't know if people are planning to spend time with their families or not. Maybe we will skip this next Sabbath just so people can have time with their families if they
5: uh, are doing that and then pick it up the next Sabbath.
1: Okay, Okay. so we won't have... Okay.
5: I, have I have a real yes, quick no. question. I'm just mm-hmm. now learning that we had a new number... Because I called the old number and I was on there for a while. And then I happened to look at my phone. So we're going to start using a new ID number from now on? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you. Okay, so no class next Sabbath, but we'll start the week after that. And Mm -hmm. we'll be on the next chapter in Christian service, The Need of Heavenly Eyes Okay. The Need of Heavenly Eyes all right, let's close it, close out our class with a word of prayer. Peter, would you offer prayer for
2: us? Most honorable Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, Lord, as we hear the warning that is being sounded out clearly to us about the, um, that we're in the stupor, Father. We, if the thing about it is that if we're there, we don't even know we are under an So we ask, Father, that you make us aware of the things that are pulling us away from you. Those things are undermining the activity you will have us to be involved in. Give us a desire, a strong desire, to see others saved, dear Lord. Help us to work continuously and constantly to be saved and to bring others to you so that they may be saved. We praise your own name. We thank you for the Sabbath. And we ask that you'll forgive us for our many sins it's so easily encompass us, dear Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray and praise you always. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you Amen.